You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and fake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your boy Q here on Twitter, as always, at your boy Q254. You can reach out to me anytime you want. Always appreciate hearing from you. And of course, the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693. You look at the calendar, it is Tuesday, April 23rd. That means we are just a couple days away from finding out what the Raiders do in round one of the 2019 NFL Draft, Nashville, Tennessee. I'll be leaving tonight flying out of DFW about 9.40 Central Time, landing in Nashville, boots in the ground, about 11-something. So I'm going to get there late, and then Wednesday morning, man, a lot of work to do immediately Wednesday morning. I got to be at one place at like 9 a.m., the stadium. I got to be there at 9 a.m. for uh, uh, interviews with players, and then immediately following that, I got to be at I don't know exactly where it's at. I mean, I have it on my email, but it's somewhere else. I got to be with so I can do interviews with people from NFL Network. That'll be at like 1130 something in the morning or whatever. I don't know, but I'm going to be super busy on Wednesday, but it's a good busy. Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pumped up. I'm very, very excited about it. On today's show, I'm very excited about this as well. Segment number three will be calls off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. You know the number, 707-654-4693. I got to give you a lot of credit for all the calls that we've been getting. A lot of new people have started to chime in as well, uh, saying they're listening to the show and they're hearing it and they want to chime in and speak on it. I love it. All calls are welcome at all times, 707-654-4693. So that's coming up in segment number three. Here in segment number one and segment number two, I'm going to have the interview I did on Monday, Monday afternoon with my man Christopher Gabriel from 940 ESPN in Fresno at CG Program on Twitter. And he's been on this podcast before. I've been on his show multiple times and I've put the interview on the podcast so you can hear it. Well, every year around the draft, well, started last year. (laughs) I say every year, like we've been doing it for many, many years. Last year, right around the draft, we did a massive, massive show together. Well, not together but he interviewed me and we just but we just basically talked back and forth it wasn't really like an interview it was just our conversation about the draft and he asked me some questions I gave my thoughts he gave me his thoughts anyway we did that last year leading up to the draft in Arlington so he thought hey why not do it again so he texted me over the weekend said hey are you down to jump on on Monday yeah let's do it so we jumped on and Raider Nation I'm not gonna lie to you I was on with him about an hour if you include commercials about an hour if you don't include commercials about 45 minutes so what I'm gonna do I'm putting the whole stinking thing on. I'm putting the whole interview on this podcast because it's all NFL draft talk. It's a lot of Raider talk, but it's also NFL draft talk and expectations and 
thoughts and you know everything that he asked me I just you know off the top of my dome man just talking about the draft in general again man everything is about the draft right now it is the the subject for every conversation my show on ESPN Central Texas on Monday I think out of a three-hour show I want to say about two hours and maybe 15 minutes was uh, all NFL related <laughs> and then the other 45 minutes was oh yeah some NBA playoffs are going on Baylor's doing this some baseball here you know what I mean but for the most part it was all NFL draft because that is what it is is right now this is the season this is the reason for the season NFL draft baby so uh pretty fired up about it pretty excited and I can't wait to bring you a lot of good stuff from Nashville so right now we're gonna just jump right into it because like I said it's about 45 minutes of conversation so I'm gonna have the whole interview I'm gonna put it on segment one and two and then segment number three calls off that locked on Raider podcast voicemail line so here's part one of my conversation with Christopher Gabriel from 940 ESPN in Fresno you can find him on Twitter at CG program again part one of my talk with Christopher Gabriel it's that time of year, Thursday, NFL Draft. This year from uh, the beautiful and vibrant city of Nashville, Tennessee. Boy, I, you know, I, have, I have a lot of family there. And I remember when Nashville used to be, yeah, it was a fun town, but it, nothing really much to speak of. You had Vanderbilt there. And, you know, of course, you had, it was a home of country music, but it wasn't the home of so many music studios. that you know, People from around the world were coming there to record any number of different types of music. Now you go to Nashville, and, and I mean, of, of course, you've got the Nashville Predators, you've got the Tennessee Titans, uh, you have world-class restaurants. You're going to also have, floating around the city, talking with very important people, the co-host of Unnecessary Roughness and the co-host of the Black Hole Banter podcast, my good friend from ESPN Central Texas, Mr. Keont Myers. Keont, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back on the show with you. I'm so excited about this NFL draft. It's going to be amazing. You said you got family in Tennessee. I've never been to Tennessee. I've never been to Nashville. So this is going to be such an exciting moment. I'm, I'm so fired up. I'm like a kid at Christmas. It's hard to sleep at night. I'm not lying to you. Oh, I believe it. Well, Tennessee is, a, is you know, I'm a Chicago kid, as you know, but, uh, you know, family in Nashville uh, almost played basketball for the University of Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, in some ways, has been like a second home uh, for me over the years just because of family and all my connections with Nashville and Knoxville. Uh, you are going to have a great time mm-hmm. in Nashville. You will not lack for places that have unbelievable barbecue. Uh, I just, I'm going to tell you that right now. I know you like barbecue, <laughs> and you are going to love it there, but there are some. I'm going to have to email you a, the, the name of a famous breakfast place that you have to get to if you're there long enough. Uh, It's just, it's, I'm telling you, my man, you will not be sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely do that. You know, the only problem with these trips is I get so excited and I get ready to go see all these different sites and, and I want to go check out this place and go eat here or go hang out here. And then I get so busy, all of a sudden I look up and the time is gone, but I definitely will email me and I'll definitely go check out that place. Yeah, you you've, you guys need to know. I'll get I'll get pictures. Keon will send text me pictures. You know, <laughs> I sent him stuff from the college football national championship. You know, it's it's we, we share a lot of stuff, and it's a lot. That's one of the perks and fr- of of being friends with somebody like Keon. 
And then he'll send me something back. He'll say, yeah, from the Super Bowl. You know, I was going to go to that place you told me about, but, you know, you see, gee, I was, I was having a cocktail with Roger Goodell. And, you know, <laughs> it's like I'll see a picture of him, and it's like, how do you, how do you track these people down? It, I think they just flock to you, Keon. I think so. I think it just happens like that. You know, they always say, fake it till you make it. I just kind of act <laughs> like I'm supposed to be there, and they just think that I'm supposed to be there. So it's all good. <laughs> no, that's it. You, listen, you, uh, you do a great job when you go to these events, and, uh, you know, it, you, you you fit right in perfectly. All right, I, I've got to start with this. Uh, coming from a theater background, you know, Richard II was a paranoid king. Uh, Richard III, he was paranoid as well. It was definitely a family thing. Uh, they all, you know, came from the Plantagenet family, but they had different ways that, believe it or not, this is leading to the Raiders, uh, they, they had different ways of, of dealing with their paranoia. One would go to his advisors and, and complain about everything. That's Richard II. Richard III would just have people killed. Uh, that brings me to John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They're not going to have anybody killed, but instead they kind of went the Richard II route by saying, I don't, you know, we don't really trust the scouts. Let's just get them out of here. Send them home for Easter, and in fact, don't bring them back. Now, th- this suggests to me, yeah, there's a little bit of paranoia. Mike Mayock saying that I don't know who to trust, but it also suggests to me that maybe there's going to be some front office or player personnel director-type changes after the draft. Without a doubt. Yeah, you're, you're dead on. It's going to be a lot of changes uh, made right after the draft, and all the scouts have done their job already. You know, they've already done all their jobs. They've scouted all these players. They've gone across the country, colleges to colleges, the campus to campus, pro days and all that. They've they already got all the intel that they need, so now at this point, they don't really need them moving forward, especially when they have a lot of guys that aren't going to return, and I bet you out of all those scouts and, and personnel guys that are gone, uh, that were sent home, Maybe two or three of them at the most are going to return. And, you know, I, I just don't see it happening. And I remember when Mike Mayock took over the job, one of the things that he was asked was, hey, do you have your own scouts? And he said, well, right now we have these scouts and we'll worry about what I have and my guys later. I do know a lot, but we'll worry about that stuff later. And that's kind of what happened when John Gruden took over in 2018. You know, he kept some guys around until the draft was over and then he got rid of a few guys and brought in a couple of his guys. So now Mike Mayock is going to do the same thing. And, you know, I I don't have any problem with it. I know it blew up on Twitter on Friday about, oh my goodness, the Raiders are a dumpster fire. What a mess. But you know my, my, my whole answer to that, in a real simple answer, is the exact reason that we know that those guys got sent home is the exact reason those guys got sent home. Somebody is feeding the media. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I don't really care one way or the other. I, you, we can read into this A to Z, Mm -hmm. ultimately the only thing that really matters and that should matter uh, if you're a Raiders fan, uh, besides the eight picks you have are picks 4, 24, and 27 in the first round. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a lot of speculating today because we're going to go from Raiders to Niners to Cardinals to teams like the Bears and the Cowboys that don't have a first-round draft pick. We're going to go all over the place here. Uh, With the Raiders, do you see them, uh, even at four, do you see Mayock and Gruden trying to move up even a couple of slots because they're concerned, not necessarily about a Kyler Murray, uh, but maybe they want to try to get into, uh, you know, get a guy like a Drew Locke? I, I don't think that they would move up to get a Drew Locke. I really don't. I saw a mock draft. I think Chad Reuter put it out, a reader put it out, and said that uh, the Raiders were going to move up to number two to get Drew Locke, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that at all. But with that being said, you know, uh, Ian Rappaport came out today and said that the Raiders 
Raiders have a surprise at number four, or they feel like they have a surprise at pick number four, and that's one of the reasons why they sent some of the scouts home, because they don't want it to get leaked out. And again, it's, you know, April 22nd. There's a lot of lying going on just to kind of jockey for position. I, I just can't see it. I honestly cannot see them moving up for Drew Locke. I can't see them moving up for anybody. And I think because they have so many holes on their team, that it's the best idea to stay at four, 24 and 27, or move back a few times to collect a couple more picks. I mean, they do have eight picks, but they have a lot of holes on this team. And you know that is, I mean, from covering the team, from seeing the team play, they have a lot of issues. They, they need a lot of talent. So the best thing to do would not be give up picks and moving up forward. They need to move backwards, if, the, if anything, and collect a few extra picks like a third round pick or an extra second round pick. That would be what I would do. But I don't see Drew Locke in their plans. Well, I, I agree with you, and I saw the same. I, I, I think I've, I've stopped counting mock drafts at about 110. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there are just so many of them. But here's the thing about the comment you just said, and I have, I have that written down in front of me. They're going to have a surprise maybe. And listen, who are they going to surprise anybody with? I mean, you look at the, the, the things that they need. I mean, is if Quinnen Williams is available, if Nick Bosa is available, if uh, I don't know if Ed Oliver is. I mean, they're they're not going to surprise. Right. Hugh, they're not going to surprise anybody with a draft choice unless they suddenly say we've got this six seven defensive lineman. He hasn't played much. He's from <laughs> Portugal, but you're going to love him. Yeah, that's you know, and it's funny that you said that because that is all I've been thinking about all day. Once I saw that surprise information, I'm thinking Quinnen Williams would not be a surprise. That's who I want right. them to take. It for he wouldn't be a surprise, and and the guys that you just mentioned, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, none of those yep. guys would surprise me because their needs. There's something that the Raiders need now. What would surprise me would be a DK Metcalf. That would surprise me, and I would hate it. <laughs> I would absolutely hate it. So I hope that that's not the direction that they're going. Also, what a surprise would be to me would be a Kyler Murray. You know, it absolutely would. And and I do think that there is some intrigue there. I think John Gruden likes Kyler Murray, but he doesn't know how much he likes him. You know what I mean? I think that there is. Yeah. There's a little temptation there. It's it's almost like you're dating someone for a long time and she's a great woman, but then you there's something about that other one that you see every day, but you don't ever talk to her, but you just want to. I feel like that that's uh, John Green with Kyler Murray. He wants to go talk to her, but he hasn't done it yet. And I, I that temptation might be too much for him. I'm not sure. Well, let's let's talk about about Kyler Murray for a second, and folks. I'm talking with my good friend Keon Myers. Wonderful job uh, at ESPN Central Texas, co-host of Unnecessary Roughness and co-host of the Black Hole Banter podcast. Um, so I had Tim Kewen on the program last week, a terrific writer from ESPN the magazine. He did a a very nuanced, really in depth profile on Kyler Murray. He was on with me on Friday. So let's let's talk Murray. So. A, do you think that, that Cliff Kingsbury is going to do what we think he's going to do? Uh, is he going to essentially honor his own words that he said long before he ever got to Arizona, that if he had the number one pick, he would take uh, a guy like Kyler Murray? Uh, if he doesn't, if the Cardinals don't take him, we'll, we'll get to the possibility of a Raiders trade in a moment, but if he doesn't, if the, if the Cardinals, if Steve Kime and, uh, and Cliff Kingsbury don't take Kyler Murray, Listen, that changes the face of the entire of the entire draft. If, if if nothing else, the first five to eight choices. It really does. I mean, it all of a sudden takes the takes the uh, the draft into almost like a, a tailspin because the expectations yeah. are Kyler Murray is going to go number one. Well, all of a sudden, if you're sitting in Nashville on Thursday and they say Quentin Williams or Nick Bosa, then all of a sudden you're looking at everyone like, whoa. What just happened here? You know what I mean? And and then the teams that were expecting to have an opportunity to make a run at a Nick Bosa or a Quentin Williams are thinking, 
thinking, uh-oh, what do we do now? What guy? I mean, you have to have A, B, C, D. You have to have like five different backup plans for just your first pick just because that might happen. And that's a, a part of me says that there's a, there, there, it could happen. I, I really, I mean, the gut feeling tells me that Arizona's going to do it, even though it, it sounds crazy. Arizona, to me, feels like they're going to do it. But with that being said, there's always a wow moment. Last year I talked to you, I didn't think Baker Mayfield was going to go number one overall. He did. Yeah. You know? You and I agreed on that because I, I was absolutely convinced that, that the Browns, just because of, of the, the people involved with the draft, namely John Dorsey and the kind of quarterback that he likes, I thought he was going to go for Josh Allen. Uh, and he was, he was going to bring him in, and, he, and he, was, you know, he liked the size, he liked the potential for him. I am a big fan of Baker Mayfield, but I, I agreed with you wholeheartedly. No chance Cleveland's going to go for Baker Mayfield. They did. But, but I also think, and this is what Tim Kewen said the other day, uh, Q, that, that Baker Mayfield in many ways has forced the NFL, uh, NFL within less than a year to essentially evolve because the NFL is so about numbers now and analytics, and they break down every single thing. But as Tim wrote in his piece, the one thing that NFL uh, general managers, coaches, owners, directors of player personnel, scouts, you name it, the one figure or stat they can't get past is when a guy's short. But Baker has really cut into that because of his success. Granted, he's a little taller than, than Kyler Murray, but Murray is, is just a machine back there. He is. He really is. And that's something that I've been going back to a lot. You know, a lot of Raider fans have asked me, you know, what are my thoughts? Do I think that Gruden would go ahead and take Kyler Murray? And I said, well, the one thing about him is he's a winner. He is a winner on every yeah. single level, whether it was 6A football in Texas at high, in high school, uh, at Oklahoma when he w- went and won the Heisman Trophy after sitting behind a Heisman Trophy winner in Baker Mayfield. I mean, I doubted him when he was at, a, at, at, te- at Texas A&M. I was like, there's no way this guy. He's too little. He can't do it. Then he, go, he transfers. He goes to Oklahoma, and he kills it. You know, he kills it, wins the Heisman. Then I thought, oh, he's going to go play baseball. He's too small to play football. I've doubted him every step of the way, I promise you. Everything he's done, I've doubted him. And I know I'm nobody to him, but I probably represent a lot of people that have doubted him as well, and he just keeps proving everybody wrong, and the one stat that matters when it comes to football is wins. He wins. The guy wins. I don't know how he does it, and it looks like he doesn't belong out there in a, in a land full of giants, but he continues to win, win, and win some more. Well, let, let's take that for a second, because I thought Mike Florio raised an interesting point, talking about those wins. Uh, Keon, that he's 57 and three over his last 60 games in seven years as a starter. Uh, arguably, maybe not arguably, the most prolific high school player to ever come out of your state uh, down in the great state of Texas. But Mike made the, you know, Peter King, excuse me, Peter King pointed out that, you know, what's he going to do when he faces adversity? He mm-hmm. could lose four games in a month than he's lost in the last seven years. I would argue this. I would argue that when a guy has the mindset of a Baker Mayfield or a guy like Kyler Murray, they, they have dealt with adversity just by the fact that people told them they weren't going to be able to make it simply because of their height. And they were constantly pro- proving guys wrong every step of the way. Kyler Murray has never been the biggest guy on the field, and he's always had a chip on his shoulder, either 
from his own doing or from his father, Kevin. I think he'll do just fine dealing with adversity when he gets to the National Football League. I couldn't agree with you more. I absolutely couldn't agree with you more. I was actually talking about that today on, on my radio show about the fact that, yeah, everyone has doubted him. I mean, I talked about myself doubting him, but everyone has doubted him every step of the way, and he's just gone on to prove everybody wrong. And, yeah, because it doesn't look like he's dealing with adversity because he continues to win, that's adversity in itself. Just, you know, just by having people say that you cannot do this. You're too small to do this. You're not supposed to be in this field. You got to go play baseball. You know what I mean? And and instead, he just continues to say, this is what I love. This is my passion. That's the other thing about it. Kyler Murray loves football. He was good at baseball, but he loves football. So when you love something, and you know it, I mean, in, in our field, we do this because we have a passion for it and we love it. So we aim to be the best at it we can be, where that's what he's going to do. I believe wholeheartedly he's going to fight claw, scratch, bleed, do everything he can to get out there and prove everybody wrong and prove why he deserves to be the number one overall pick. Uh, if, if he doesn't get taken by Arizona, this is the last thing, at least for the time being, on, on <laughs> Kyler Murray. It, does he, I think he's a better quarterback than Josh Rosen. I'd say that whether Josh was on Arizona or whomever he was on. But when Josh didn't get taken on the first couple picks, Josh dropped to number 10. If Murray doesn't get taken by Arizona, how far do you think he falls? I'm not going to lie to you. If he if he does not get taken by Arizona, I really have a sneaky feeling that he goes number four overall. I really, unless the team jumps up there and trades and makes a trade for him, I can see him falling. He's not going to go to San Francisco. They have a quarterback. He's not going to go to the Jets. They have a quarterback. I could see someone trading with number three, though. I could see someone trading with the Jets and, and going up and getting them. Someone like a Washington or a Miami or may, maybe a Denver, but I, I, I just don't think he gets past number four. I I really don't think he's in for a draft day just slide like a lot of, a lot of uh, different players have been. I just don't see it. I am totally with you. I, if, he, if he doesn't get taken by the Cardinals, the Raiders are on the phone, and they're either taking him or they're going to make a deal. Because, yeah, you're right. I don't, the 49ers, well, I don't think the 49ers are going to look to deal. I think the 49ers have enough needs that they want to stay where they're at. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Jets are going to deal because they've got some needs as well. Everybody's got needs, but but I well, I tell you what, he I, you know what, he could end up in black and silver, my friend. He <laughs> he could he could end up in silver and black, or he could end up with another team that trades up with the Raiders at yeah, number four. Yeah. But I don't see him getting past that number four position at all. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, we're talking with Keon Myers. Uh, he is from uh, ESPN Central Texas. He's also a Valley guy. He's a five five nighter. We're going to talk about Frank Clark. We're going to talk about the New York Football Giants. I don't know why we call them that. We, well, I know why we call them that. But they, you know, the, the San Francisco Giants, the old New York Giants and the Polo Grounds, they've been gone for decades, but we still call them that. I uh, also want to talk about what are four teams going to do without a first-round draft choice? How can they better themselves? Who are those four teams? I'll tell you those teams coming up next. This is the CGP. Talking NFL draft. I, make no mistake about it. Keon and I could have this whole program on, on every single team, but there's so much of that coverage out there uh, between ESPN and between national shows and, and Fox Sports Radio that what I wanted to do with Keon was uh, bounce around a little bit. We're going to talk about the 49ers as well, talk about some of the teams, those four teams, who are they that don't have a first-round pick? The Browns, Cowboys, Saints, and Bears, none of them are the first-round choice. Browns, Cowboys, and Saints, they have picks in the second round, uh, their first pick, and then the Bears uh, don't pick till the 87th pick in the third round. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Frank Clark, so franchise tag is on him in Seattle. Uh, he's supposed to make somewhere in the $17 million range this year. Uh, this is a guy who's a terrific pass rusher. He has some other stuff in his past, domestic violence issues. I mean, I'm not 
you know, pushing those on the back burner, burner, those are there. Do you see, do you see somebody looking to do a deal uh, with him in Seattle to try to get him. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be the Raiders because otherwise they wouldn't have got they wouldn't have gotten rid of Khalil Mack. Well, I, I do think that he's going to be moved. I think he's going to be traded before or on the day of the draft. I really do. Uh, I just think that there's not enough money to go around to all those guys. So I I think that there's going to be a team out there. Uh, I've heard that the Colts are one of the teams that are looking into him. I believe the Chiefs are looking into him, and there's another team, and I don't know exactly who it is. I can't remember. But yeah, uh, I, I think he's definitely going to be moved and. I honestly, I know that, you know, it, it sounds silly to say that the Raiders would make a move for him, but I think that they're a dark horse, too. And, and really, the only the only reason why I think that they might not make a move for him is because of that domestic violence that you talked about. And I know Mark Davis has a real uh, real deal policy on that due to what happened with uh, Fred Belitnikoff's daughter. But then again, John Gruden is calling all the shots and, you know, he's, he's taken a few sketchy guys in the in the past. So he might he might make a move and say this is the guy that we need to have. I honestly could see them being a dark horse team for a uh, Frank Clark as well. Well, listen, I, I've said it many times in the program. I'll be very clear about it again because I don't want to make it seem like I'm passing it off. I don't have any problem with somebody if they say they don't want to bring somebody on because of domestic violence, violence issues. I don't have any problem with that at all. Right. Uh, none whatsoever, uh, and I'll just leave it at, at that. Uh, but I'm going to go devil's advocate on you here with Frank Clark. Don't you think, not that this is in the Raiders' thinking, because it's not in the Raiders' thinking. Yeah, they want fans to be happy, but the, what the Raiders or any team in the National Football League is going to do is not based upon what the fans want. I've been to the draft back in the days of the Paramount Theater at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. I was there with drunk Jets and Giants fans, and it's, it was a zoo. But thankfully, the draft isn't like that now. But don't you think that Raider Nation would be... Uh, just this side of livid if, okay, so you weren't willing to pay the money to Khalil Mack to keep him here and keep him a Raiders, uh, keep him a Raider, pardon me, but you are willing to ultimately have some sort of 80, 90, $95 million deal with a Frank Clark. Yeah, no, I think that that would be a major issue. I, as a matter of fact, I know it would be a major issue. It's something that I've even brought up my own self. You know, I'm talking about, wait a minute, hold on, you just had a guy that got after the pass rusher. The guy was uh, clean as a whistle off the field. He was a great leader. I mean, you know, there's I can go on yeah. and on and on about what Khalil Mack was, and you know very well, you know firsthand now, what Khalil Mack uh, can do. Do on and off the field, and so yeah, that that's definitely come up. But devil's advocate on the other side of it, someone will say, "Well, it's okay because you got all those draft picks for Khalil Mack, and now you're also getting a guy that has 32 and a half sacks in the last three seasons. He can get after the quarterback, and he's going to be a little cheaper than Khalil Mack. Plus, you got those extra draft picks, so it's almost you know what I mean. So you yep. can you can find a way to justify it, but I'm with you. And, and getting rid of Khalil Mack will never be okay in my book. It's just something that you have to deal with. Well, I'd say as a, as a Bears fan, I think you know right. <laughs> yeah, of course uh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that in there. We're talking with our good friend Keon Myers from ESPN Central Texas. Uh, the team across the bay uh, and down the road just a bit uh, in, in Santa Clara. Uh, do you see them? Uh, we touched on this a little bit a few minutes ago, but I'm going to ask you a little more specifically now. Do you see them staying at two uh, and, and you know looking to get a guy like a Quinn and Williams? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to go for a, you know They've got the quarterback situation figured out, even with – the uncertainty of whether, you know, whether or not Garoppolo is going to come back completely healthy. What do you see the 49ers doing 
at the second pick? Do they stay? Are they going to trade down? What are they going to do? I really think that they stay there at number two. Uh, they have defensive uh, holes. They have holes that they need to fill on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I think that, that Nick Bosa is probably going to be the guy. I can see them going for Quentin Williams, but uh, I, I definitely think that one of those two defensive studs is going to be going to San Francisco. And uh, look, I know that they addressed it somewhat, the edge rush, when they acquired D Ford from Kansas City. So that makes a lot of sense. And I've heard some people say, well, they don't need an edge rusher right now. Look, could you ever have too many edge rushers in the league? No. You know what I mean? You can never have too many edge rushers on your team, and then you have a, a nice little combination like that. You also have DeForest Buckner on your defense as well. I think that that would be a heck of a combination. And again, both of those guys would fit. Nick Bosa would fit very, very well opposite of D Ford, and Quinton Williams would fit very well up the gut, you know, and just get that, that pressure right up the middle. And I, I'm telling you, if you're trying to try to win games, and you're looking at the uh, NFC West, and you're seeing the Seahawks, what they're doing, they're trying to, to run the ball again like they did back when they went to the Super Bowl. They, uh, you know, their offensive line is improved. You have the Rams that have a really high, high flying offense. I mean, you have teams that you're going to have to try to slow down. And so to do that, you're going to have to have a stout defense. And it all starts on that defensive line. So Quentin Williams or Nick Bosa is probably going to be the pick for San Francisco. And I would lead more towards Nick Bosa. A lot more coming up with Keon Myers. We're going to talk about a couple of teams. We're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins. We're going to talk about Daniel Jones. This is the Christopher Gabriel Program. All right, Raider Nation, that was just part one right there. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing so far. Uh, Hopefully your boy made you proud. You know, I just tried to hold it down the best I can. And again, talking to Christopher Gabriel is a lot of fun. And I know right now someone's thinking, I've never heard your first name as many as I hear your first name with him. And he always calls me by my my real name, uh, not Q, but Keont. And uh, that's cool. That's cool. Mama Q approves of that. She actually texts me during the, the whole interview and the whole conversation. She says, I love that he says your name. It's such a great name. Uh, I think I did well naming you. Yeah, she did She did just fine. But the problem is that people look at it on paper and can't say it. So it got dumbed down to Q real early in life. So it's all good. I ain't got no problem with that. Either way, uh, that was just part one of the interview. Coming back on the other side, we're going to have part two of my conversation with Christopher Gabriel from 940 ESPN. I did the show on Monday with him. It was about an hour long, 45 minutes of talk time an hour if you include commercials but uh you'll hear part two next on the other side of the locked on raiders podcast you are locked on raiders your daily podcast on the oakland raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right raider nation here we are jumping right back into it part two of my conversation with christopher gabriel from 940 espn talking all things nfl draft we are talking nfl draft 2019 right now with our good friend from espn central texas Keon Myers. Uh, so, Keon, let's. Uh, there's a couple different things I want to ask you about here. Uh, do you think that? Do you think that the Giants uh, are going to? You know, this has been the going question uh, probably for a couple of drafts now. Are the Giants going to draft a quarterback? Uh, if, if so, do you think they might try to move up a little bit? Because there are some available out there, and, and we're going to talk about them in just a second, but what do you think the Giants are going to do? You know, it's funny that you asked this question because that's one of been, it's been one of my million-dollar questions. Like, what are the Giants going to do? You know, they're floating these ideas out that they're comfortable with Eli for another year or maybe even extend him, which I think is insane. But, you know, uh, I thought last year passing on a quarterback and getting Saquon Barkley was the right move. I just thought he was too dynamic to pass up, and you saw what he was able to do. Now they need to get a uh, 
a quarterback of the future. And I do believe since they have two first round picks, number six and number 17, I do believe they're going to get a quarterback, but I don't think it's going to be at number six. I think they're going to get a quarterback at 17 or move up from 17 to maybe 11, 12, 13 in that range to get a quarterback that that may be dropping. But I don't think they're going to actually get one at six. I think they're going to go with some kind of defender and an edge rusher or, you know, a D lineman, a, a Ed Oliver, if he happens to drop someone like that, maybe a Rashawn Gary or someone like that. I don't, I just don't see them getting a, a quarterback at number six, but 17. Yeah. It's wide open for them. Do you see them? I, you know, the team that I think is going to find a way to take a quarterback somewhere a little bit later on. I mean, I'm just, is the, is the uh, New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know, I mean, and that's, I, I'm not breaking news with that. But they always seem to find someone that nobody's been talking about. You know, nobody, I mean, it's not, they're not going to get a Dwayne Haskins. They're not going to get a Daniel Jones. Uh, they're, you know, they're not going to obviously get Kyler Murray. Uh, they're not going to get Drew Locke. But they're going to find somebody that gets into that system and suddenly turns out to be fantastic. Do you see the Patriots somewhere in a middle round going after a QB? Well, you know, I'll throw this at you. I do see them going after a quarterback. I do think that they'll, they'll come away from the draft with a quarterback, and there's two different ways that I think that they may get one. One, the first way I think that they might get one, is they might make a trade with Arizona. They really might, and they might go after Josh Rosen and let him sit behind Tom Brady for a few years. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a possibility. The guy was a first-round draft pick. Think about that. He was a first-round draft pick, yeah. number 10 over all and wouldn't it be New England's luck to just go ahead and kind of let one fall into their lap? They have so many draft picks. If you look at, their, I think they have twelve. I think they're picking twelve times in the draft this yep. year. They can yep. afford to give up a pick or two, or even give up number thirty-two. Say, I mean, if Arizona wants the first round pick, give them the number thirty-two. It's almost the second round. You know what I mean? Like, why, why not? If you think that that could be a guy that you can sit there and let let groom behind Tom Brady, and of course he's going to be a little upset because he wants to play right away after getting a taste of the NFL, but who cares? He's in New England, and he's going to learn the, the Patriot way, and either they'll hold on to him, or they'll they'll trade him later. You know, I mean, they know what they're doing, so that's one scenario that they can get a quarterback. And two, the other quarterback that I think will be in a much later round is Jarrett Stidham out of Auburn. I'm going to just throw that name out there, and he was a guy that at first was uh, playing for Baylor, and then all the that mess happened, and I mean, the guy can, can sling the ball. I don't oh, really... He can play. I, yeah, I just don't know why he really went to Auburn, because it didn't really give him an opportunity to, to show off his skills and his opportunity and, and show the guy that he actually can be, but... Again, a, a guy that sits behind Tom Brady and learns, I think he could definitely be a guy that could be the heir apparent when, when, when Tom Brady's ready to, to hang it up. This is a guy who, when he went to Baylor, he said that he's going to the NFL You know, as soon as he's ready to go. He was already thinking about the NFL the minute that he went to Baylor. And I, again, I know the guy could play. So I, I could see them landing a guy like Jarrett Stidham in the later rounds. Stidham is, is an outstanding player. Uh, definitely, uh, certainly has a lot of great attributes going from him. As an SEC fan, I've seen him play a number of times, as, as have you. I think your idea on Josh Rosen is a very interesting one. And while Josh Rosen said, you know, nine, you know, nine teams made mistakes, uh, or however, however he mm-hmm. said that last year, if I'm Josh Rosen, I am, um, uh, if that were to happen, I'd just be very happy that I just got drafted or, or I got traded to the most prolific organization in the National Football League next to the Green Bay Packers going back to all their, their great years. And who better do you want to learn from right now than a guy who's won five Super Bowls uh, and, uh, you know, and Bill Belichick and that whole system up there? He could do a lot worse. That's something that I've not heard thrown around anywhere. So really, 
if that were to happen, I'm pulling I'm pulling this audio back out. <laughs> well, that's all good. I mean, hey, it's just a thought. It's just something I thought again because they're picking at number thirty two. You know, it's, yeah. so if they just have to give up a first round pick, why not give up the one that's almost a second round pick? Yeah, no doubt about it. We're talking with Keat Myers from ESPN Central Texas. I mentioned the Browns, Cowboys, Saints, and Bears. Uh, four teams, you know, the Bears, I feel, I feel like the Bears are close, and I'm being objective about that even after the – I'm still sort of working through the field goal uh, last year, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get there. The Saints, uh, they don't pick till the second round. The Cowboys, the Browns, of course, these guys, you look at the Bears, Khalil Mack goes there, Odell Beckham Jr. goes to the Browns, Marcus Davenport to the Saints, Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. So it's not like they didn't in the last year get a great player that conceivably would, would – you know, essentially act as a placeholder for a first-round pick. But if you're one of those four teams, what are you looking to do? What kind of an impact, uh, Keon, can you have when you're not picking in the first round? I would say all four of those teams, uh, the Bears are, the, are late to the party, but they finally have, a, a, I believe, an outstanding front office that really gets football beyond three yards in a cloud of dust. I think all four of those organizations have shown – that they can be creative and have an impact without picking in the first round. I agree. I think all those teams did fine by by not having a first-round draft pick. The only team that I'll say is the question mark is the Saints because I, I still think that they gave up too much to move up for Marcus Davenport, a guy out of UTSA that I, mean, I know he was good at UTSA. I still am uh, like reserving my judgment on him. I'm not sure what he's going to be after just one season. He, he was pretty good when he played, but he wasn't great, and I don't know if that big leap that they made was, was worth it but again we'll see you know that was one of the reaches that I thought well I felt it was a reach at least when I was at the draft last year so we'll see but everybody else improved their team and and improved their team in an area where it needed to be improved I mean you think of Amari Cooper and the Cowboys he went there and they ended up winning the NFC East they were three and five when he went there so he helped them out in a major way obviously Khalil Mack I don't even have to talk about what he did for the Bears uh, you you add him to that defense and he's just that's just the cherry on top you know it just really allowed him to 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 get after the quarterback just play with his hair on fire at all times, so that was that was great for the Bears. They made a they made a heck of a move, so I definitely wouldn't complain about that. And uh, and then who else doesn't have a who else doesn't have a? There's another team. Browns. Oh yeah, the Browns. Yeah, they got OBJ. Yep. <laughs> yep. How can not I forget a, about that? <laughs> yeah. How can I forget about that? They have an extra. They have that guy OBJ. They have Jarvis Landry. They're putting weapons around Baker Mayfield. Yeah, they're they're looking they're looking pretty pretty. I think that they're doing just fine. So every team improved. The only one I'd have a question mark is with the Saints. And on top of that, this draft is really really deep as far as defensive guys go. So as long as they sit back and just allow their board to fall the way it's supposed to fall, then they'll be in in prime position when it is time to pick. They'll be able to pick the the best player available and uh, just roll from there and I think that that's the way to go anyway are you surprised at all and maybe I'm just not you know hearing the, the same things that, that you are but the, the one one defensive player that I have not heard a lot about compared to what we heard about last year and maybe it's because we were at Fresno State here and and Fresno State played Houston I have not heard the same kind of chatter for Ed Oliver this year that I did last year it seems like the vast majority of the of the ink of the conversation has gone to Nick Boza, Quinn and Williams, uh, Josh Allen, and so on. What are you hearing where you're at about Ed Oliver? Well, he's in your neck of the woods. Yeah, he absolutely is. And it's funny, if he had came out, if he was allowed to come out after his sophomore season, he yeah. would have been the number one overall pick, and it wouldn't yep. have been close. That was the conversation that we were all having. Can't wait for Ed Oliver to hit the draft because he's going to go number one overall. And then he had the year that he had uh, in Houston. It wasn't great. His team wasn't great. His, uh, his head coach is no longer his head coach, or you know, Major Applewhite is no longer right. there. 
there. He got into that dust up. He was a little banged up. It just seemed like he was already ready for the league. It seemed like that what he did in uh, in 2018 wasn't trying to improve his stock. It was more like trying to get through the season and prepare for the NFL. And not saying he didn't try, but it was almost like the Jadavion Clowney situation. I mean, he already had kind of peaked, and so there's nothing really more he could do to prove his worth. And so it was kind of the conversation kind of went away a little bit. But it's funny to me after the combine, after and after his pro day, after he did everything he did at the, his pro day, all of a sudden he started ramping up again. Like, wow, Ed Oliver's really athletic. Well, duh, we knew that. I mean, you know, if you look at any any film from uh, his sophomore season, you knew what kind of player he was. So I think, and this sounds silly, but I think he's peaking again at the right time. And I think that there's a good chance that. He might go number three overall to the Jets. I would not hold that. You know, I actually would be surprised if he didn't go number three to the Jets just because they have Greg Williams and he coached Aaron Donald and people are talking about Ed Oliver being very Aaron Donald-like. I could totally see the, the, uh, the Jets going ahead and making that move. Uh, I want to go back to quarterback real quick. We're talking with Keon Myers, ESPN Central Texas, uh, co-host of Unnecessary Roughness, also co-host of the Black Hole Banter podcast. Because of the large shadow it seems funny talking about a large shadow cast by a smallish guy, but a, but a, but a big time talent in Kyler Murray. Are we are we overlooking uh, maybe more than we should guys like Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones? I mean, you look at you look at uh, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you look at the year that he had. He was I mean six to one TD interception ratio, fifty TDs, almost five thousand yards, and Dwayne Haskins has become just. He's not. I mean, everybody knows who he is. He's gonna. He's gonna be a, a, a big time player. I think in the National Football League. But he is not getting nearly the kind of uh, mention that we're talking about with Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. I've heard pe- people have talked to me and said, "Come on, went to Duke." Well, Scotty Pippen went to Central Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's let's <laughs> right. not look at it that way. Are we? not giving enough ink to those guys. We're not giving enough ink to any guy. I mean, we're not. We're really not. In, in this draft, we are not talking about enough other people besides Kyler Murray. He has absolutely stole this draft. I mean, he absolutely has done that by making this, the decision to be 100% invested in the NFL. And that's really a shame because there's so many good players. But just looking at the quarterbacks, yes, they're all being overshadowed. And the thing about it is these quarterbacks aren't even – I don't want to say that great because they're in that position, but they're not even the highest-rated quarterbacks that have come out in a long time. Like Daniel Jeremiah, who I really respect his his talent evaluation, he says he would have Kyler Murray as his fourth quarterback if he had came out last year. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not even like number one on these guys' board. He's on he's number one this year because of the talent that's in this draft. And Dwayne Haskins is number two because of the talent that's in this draft. But Haskins, like you said, man, he broke records at Ohio State. I mean, he really did. But he's a one-year wonder, Kyler. Murray wins the Heisman Trophy, but he's a one-year wonder. Daniel Jones, you know, he went to Duke, but he could play. You know, he went to the Senior Bowl. Gruden and company all got a chance to see him. They all liked him. Drew Locke, he could sling it, and he slung it with a lot of guys that really aren't that talented. You know, he didn't have a lot of talent around him, but nobody is talking about these guys because there's one big name that everyone is hung up on, including myself, and that's Kyler Murray. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about it. So as long as we're on this part of the discussion, I, go back to round one, and I, I, I pulled it up in front of me, in front of me. Look at the, the guys who were taken last year. I'll just in order. Mayfield, Barkley, Sam Darnold, Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson for the Colts, uh, and then down to Buffalo, Josh Allen. Uh, I'll just give you the top ten. Roquan Smith with the Bears. Mike McGlinchey uh, from Notre Dame at, uh, with San Francisco. And then Josh Rosen. Just that list alone, those top ten. Is anybody, you know, except for Cleveland, because, I mean, they chose first, anybody two through ten that, that looks back on that draft and says, 
you know what? Maybe we should have done X, Y, Z. I don't think so. I think that that top yeah, ten. Either. I think that top ten was pretty solid. You know, I mean, I was I was thinking that Denzel Ward going to the Browns was a bad pick. I didn't think that was going to be good. I thought that him be going that high was was too high. You could have got him a little bit later. I thought the Browns were going to go with Bradley Chubb, and then they didn't. And then he fell, and, and Denver got him. And I hated that because obviously that affects the AFC West. And Bradley Chubb is a monster. I mean, he's an absolute monster. Him and Von Miller. That's just that's that's not even fair. But uh, that's a whole nother conversation. But still, Denzel Ward ended up being a really good defensive back and the Browns needed that defensive back uh, you know that play there so yeah I think 1 through 10 ended up being really good except for now Josh Rosen is in this position where he may be changing area codes by the end of the day on Thursday we are talking with Keon Myers one more segment with him we are going to talk about Nick Bosa we're going to talk about uh, my, one of my favorite words this time of year, measurables. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about one of my favorite phrases best available athlete that's all next this is the CGP more of the Christopher Gabriel program right now on 940 ESPN. One more we're talking with our good friend, Keon Myers Jay, tweeting me at CG program. That's how you tweet to me. You can also tweet your boy Q. That's your boy Q254. That's Keon Myers. Jay saying Drew Locke had a mediocre at best offensive line, nowhere near the talent around him that. Uh, that UM has enjoyed at the receiver position in years past and is about in the same physical shape as your average senior golfer. Translation, golden arm with conditioning could be a steal. Well, I don't, I, I don't know that. I mean, I, I agree in part with what Jay's saying, but I, I also think that, that I don't know that I would put him in the category of steal. I think everybody knows what kind of talent he has. I mean, anybody coming out of college, I don't care what kind of physical shape you're going to be in Q, you're going to get in better shape when you get with the NFL guys. Yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. And I don't think Drew Locke would be a steal either, but I think what he's saying is that a team is going to get a really good quarterback and nobody's talking about him, just like we were talking yep. about in that last segment. And he's absolutely yep. right. And he, he, he hit it on the head. You know, a mediocre offensive line, no weapons around him, and he has a golden arm. So, yeah, somebody's going to get a special player. Yeah, that, uh, to that extent, yeah, I, I agree with that. Are we are we uh, too excited about Nick Bosa? Meaning, are we excited about Nick Bosa because of his brother? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you right now, I'm scared to death of Nick Bosa. I know that he's supposed to be the guy that is the the end all be all, the best edge rusher in the in the draft. But I'll tell you right now, if I'm making the pick and and he falls to number four, I'm passing on Nick Bosa. And I just and it could be foolish, it could be a bad idea, but sometimes you just get jaded because of uh, association and, and who these guys guys are and I know there was a lot of NFL fans that were uh, jaded by Derek Carr when he was coming out because of what happened with David Carr and so people want to stay away well I want to stay away from Nick Bosa just because He's been injured a lot. I mean, he's been injured a lot. So that's one thing. His family really gets into the business a lot as well. And sometimes I don't like families that are so close. And I know that that could be an issue with Kyler Murray as well. But I I, I know his family is really close to the product. Uh, Joey Bosa, you see, he didn't even make camp on time. I mean, he held out. And and the contracts now are slotted. They're not even supposed to have any kind of issue. A lot of that was the Chargers' fault. But some of that was also the family getting involved in the business. And I just don't know if I trust him. I'm a little scared scared of Nick Bosa. So that's why for me, if Quinny Williams is there at number four, I'll run the card up there myself to Roger Goodell. I don't care. That's the one it's got to be. But you never know how these things shake out. We always hear, yeah, I, I agree with you right down the line. That's that's my concern because I think I think he does get a lot of extra mention. Not that he's not a good player, but he has been injured a lot and he does get a lot of mentions because of his brother. I, we hear teams go to the tried and true, well, we're going to go with the best, best available athlete. Best available athlete. But 
what if the best available athlete in a draft is a quarterback? You don't see the team go for the it's best true. available athlete. They still go for their need. I think it's one of the most overused and useless phrases in the NFL draft. It really is. And you know what I've been saying the last few years is, yeah, every team goes for the best player available in a position of need. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> like, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, if edge rusher is your biggest position of need and that guy just happens to be a great edge rusher, then, yeah, you're going to go get him because he's the highest one on your board. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, and I'm glad you said it like that because I've never been able to word it so it made sense like that. But you really dumbed it down and made it simple where, hey, if the best player available is a quarterback and you don't need a quarterback, you're not going to go draft him. I mean, you're, right. you're just not. And that makes all the sense of the world. But you're, you're absolutely right. What it is is best player available dot 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 in position of need. That's what they should say. Yeah, because it, I'll tell you when you when you look at everybody, when you get rid of the measurables and this and that, and you look at physical gifts in terms of speed, in terms of overall athleticism, you have to if you have a little teeny box of three or four guys in terms of the best available athletes in this draft, you have to put five foot ten or whatever he is. You have to put Kyler Murray in that box, and if and if it's a team, you know, if, if you're looking at a team, uh, the Jets. And he's available. They're not taking him. Nope. Nope. Not even, not even close. Not even close. And that's why you summed it up perfectly. I mean, that's, that's the exact idea. And he is one of the best athletes. But what you need to do is go out there and get the best football player. You know what I mean? That's, that's, right. that's what they have to do. Not only can they be the best athlete, because we've seen, and especially Raider fans, uh, Raider fans know all too well about drafting the best athlete. Doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the best football player. That's what they need to do. That's what Mike Mayock and John Gruden's job is moving forward, is to get the best football players, not necessarily the best athletes. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely right. Um, do we spend, and th- maybe this is a rhetorical question, Q, I, I, it might be, do we spend too much time with endless numbers, with analytics? You know, years of NFL drafts did not have the plethora of stats, of numbers, of measurables that we have now. And, but our, we're not really any better now that we have all those numbers. Teams still make mistakes. Maybe they're a little less likely to make a mistake, but do we not sometimes spend enough time going with a gut feeling and with an eye test in combination, in concert with the numbers that we have at our disposal? I think we use way too many numbers. I think we do analytics way too much. And honestly, all you have to do to find a good football player or a really great football player is turn on the film. You know what I mean? There's too much, there's too much breaking down numbers and, and what this guy could do in this drill and, and what this guy could do in shorts. and You know what I mean? There's just way too much of that and like you said, breaking down the numbers and not enough film work. Again, Ed Oliver should never have slipped on anyone's board because he was an absolute stud. And only after his pro day was it when, oh, hey, his stock is climbing again. Well, why? He's still the same guy. He's a football player. He's a heck of a football player. Somebody's going to get a monster no matter what. I don't know what position he's going to play. That's my only question I have with Ed Oliver. I don't know what position he's going to play. Is he going to be uh, an outside linebacker? Is he going to be an edge rusher? Is he going to be a nose tackle? That's what he did in school. You know what I mean? That, that's the only question I have, and the answer he gave was great. He gave the best answer ever. He said, wherever a defensive coordinator wants me to play, whether it be outside linebacker, edge, nose tackle, I don't care. I'll play. I'm Ed Oliver, the football player. I'll get it done. I love that answer. It's like, here, here I am. Use me. I love it. I, I'm, you know, everybody in this audience knows that I love to use uh, restaurant or food parallels, and I, I'm going to give you a parallel that I think works. You tell me if it doesn't. If I'm in a restaurant, if you and I are, uh, and, and a couple of friends are out, and we're at the Super Bowl or at the NFL draft, we go to a restaurant, and they're coming to make a great dish at our table. They're coming to make bananas foster. Uh, 
you're, I'm not interested in him telling me the butter to dark rum <laughs> ratio, how much cinnamon he's using, uh, and then how he's going to flame it or deglaze it, and then how much banana he's going to use and how long he's going to cook it. Just make the damn thing and serve it up. I just want to taste it. That's all I want to do is taste it. I don't need to know how you're making it. I don't need to know any kind of instructions because I'm not going to go home and repeat it. You know what I mean? So I don't need any of that. I just want the finished product. And if you know how to present it well, and uh, you know I can have I can have a young lady out with me or something like that, I can impress her by that. Even better. But if you're not going to make it in front of me, I'm not going to go repeat it. So yeah, just go ahead and make it so I can eat it and enjoy it. That's all that matters. That's it. Last thing for you, since you are Mr. Raiders, <laughs> what are, now that we've had a chance to break all this stuff down and throw a lot of stuff into the mixer, who are the Raiders taking? What are they going to do? I'm going to tell you straight up, my gut feeling is, number four, they're going to take Quentin Williams. You pair him up there with Mohurst on that defensive line. I think you have a nasty interior push. Yes, it doesn't address the, the edge rusher. You can get that later. The, there's a very deep defensive uh, draft here. So you get Quentin Williams at number four. You go at number 24, I think you go offense, and you go get Josh Jacobs running back out of Alabama, and you have a Alvin Kamara-type guy. Not Alvin Kamara necessarily, but a type guy that could do a lot of different dynamic things. Add another weapon to Derek Carr and John Gruden's offense and then at number 27 is kind of like your wild card you know what I mean it's like you almost have a, a ace in the hole but I think you go with Byron Murphy a defensive back out of uh, out of Washington and you pair him up with Gary on Conley and you have the best two defensive backs you've had in a very very long time maybe going back to Charles Woodson and Eric Allen that's a, that's a long long time but that would be the best defensive backs uh, that the Raiders have had in a long time so I think that's what you do with 424 and 27 if you stay pat and you're, even though you're Mr. Raiders, you, uh, you are on top of the Bay Area. You are a 5'5 Niner. Are the Niners going defense? Yes, defense. Nick Bosa is my pick for them. All right, there you go. Folks, uh, love having Keon Myers on this program. He is the co-host of Unnecessary Roughness on ESPN Central Texas in the beautiful city of Waco, Texas. Make sure to tune him in. And as I said, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, you should find him on Twitter. He is at your boy, Y-O-U-R-B-O-I-Q, as in the letter Q, 254. It's always a great pleasure, my man. I, I, listen, uh, you'll be in touch. We'll be in touch when you're out in Nashville. Looking forward to hearing what you, uh, what you encounter there. Absolutely. I'll send you some great pictures. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Yes, you and, you and, uh, you and the whole gang there, uh, Mr. Goodell. Uh, That's thank right. Thank you. All right, there it was right there. My man Christopher Gabriel and myself from 940 ESPN Fresno had a nice little conversation, obviously, of the NFL draft. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you got some stuff out of that. Uh, you can always comment on that, 707-654-4693. You can hit me on Twitter, at your boy Q254. And Christopher Gabriel, you can hit him up as well, at CG Program on Twitter. That's at CG Program on Twitter, at 940 ESPN on Twitter as well for 940 ESPN Fresno. But uh, real good dude, man, one of, one of the many guys that, that I really really respect in the business he does a heck of a job and just talking to him is a lot of fun so uh yeah man uh definitely give him a follow show him some love you know because he has me on all the time representing for the raider nation even though i'm sitting in the middle of central texas uh, he has me on all the time so i think that that's really cool so show him some love as well coming up in segment number three i got calls up the locked on raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 your thoughts are next on the locked on raiders podcast you are locked on raiders your daily podcast on the oakland raiders Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast on this Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019. Got some good calls off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. And I'm telling you, I, I got to get these in because I know that they're going to continue to stack and stack and stack, especially since the draft is right around the corner. And I know there's going to be a lot of conversation about the draft. So I want to get these calls in as quickly as possible. Eric in the 209, he's going to start us off. He's calling out of Manteca. First, he calls to talk about the water slides in Manteca. And then more importantly, the draft and a game that he was like to meet up at. Here's Eric in the 209 rep in Manteca. Hey, Q, it's Eric in the 209 Manteca. Hey, answer your question earlier. They tore down the water slides a while back, so those are gone. Just wanted to call. Super excited about the draft. Can't wait to see what happens. My hope is that we somehow find a way to trade back with, like, the Giants, move back to sticks, pick up some extra picks, still be able to pick up that linebacker there, or maybe Josh Allen falls there. I don't know. Um, let me know what you think. Super excited about it. Also, looking at what game I'm trying to go to this year, sat down with the family, looked it over. That Detroit Lions game is looking real good for us. Uh, if you guys decide to go to that one, we'll figure out a place for everybody to meet up. All right. Eric, 209, out. All right, Eric, appreciate that call. Your draft thoughts are good ones. I can get on board with what you're saying. And that Lions game, you know it sounds good to me. That's November 3rd. I'm not going to lie. Not mad at that one at all. Good suggestion. Next up, Raider 1G in the 530. He's calling to talk about the last five or six minutes of Monday's podcast when I was talking about that Raider mentality, that me against the world mentality, and how it relates to his life. Really good call here from my guy, Raider 1G in the 530. What up, Q? What up, Raider Nation? This is Raider 1G from the 530. I want to call in today to uh, talk about that last five, six minutes of, of today's podcast from Monday, man. Q, man, you, you know, when you talk about what what it means to be a Raider and what it takes to be a Raider, and I agree with you 100%, man. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, um, you know it's, it, it is a me against the world mentality, you know, being a Raider, and that's what really – that's why I became a Raider, you know, back in the day. Because you know, quick history. You know, I come from a pretty good family too, but I was that one outlier that made some bad decisions that put me in some bad spots, you know, early on, you know, in life. And but those mistakes I made earlier made me a stronger and wiser person in life now. And so that's why I became a Raider is because of that tell, You know, it's, it's, it, was, it was just me against the world back then. And so, uh, and so. Once I became a Raider, that's when I started to research and study the history, uh, you know, about this franchise, and, and, and it, it just made so much more sense to me, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, go all in and, uh, you know, hold nothing back. So now, that's why, you know, I love this franchise, love this team, love the color, love the state, and, uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, you about talking about what it takes to be a Raider, and... So that's all I got for you. It's a short one today. Love the show. Peace out, Raider Nation. Raider 1G out. Hey, man, I'm glad that that, uh, you know, that inspired you to call in and, and, and share that part of your story, man. That's awesome. We all have stories, man. It's just, are we going to tell it? You know, and sometimes someone just needs to hear your story to be able to tell their story and, and so on and so forth. And so I'm glad that I was able to kind of make that happen for you. But at, at some point, you know what I mean? It just it, it needs to be said sometimes. Sometimes things stack up, stack up, stack up, and you have to realize, like, take a couple steps back and say, hey, man, wait a minute. This is what being a Raider is all about, right? So I bet you there's a lot of people that, that uh, feel the same way Raider 1G and the 530 felt or, or maybe gone through some stuff in their life and said, you know what, that fan base that would fit me perfectly would be the Raiders. And 
And I guarantee you, if you walk around the Oakland Coliseum on a Sunday during a game, you'll see a lot of people that you say, you know what? These cats are a lot like me. Even though, you know, we may go back to whatever after the game is all over and do something else, for that one game, and this is another thing I love about being a Raider fan, man, for those, that game, whatever time, however long that game lasts, everybody in the Coliseum wearing silver and black, wearing the Raiders shield, you know, yelling out Raiders and, and jumping up and down every time a touchdown is scored or whatever like that, all is family. Everybody is family. It don't matter your race, it don't matter what uh, what political views you have, it don't matter, you know what I mean, if you're a woman or a, a man or a child, or you know what I mean, for one, whatever, one game, I, I want to say like one four-hour period, but it's not, it's not even four hours, it's like three hours, whatever, but just for that time period that you're at the game rooting on the Raiders, we are all one big family. Again, after the game's over, everyone goes separately and goes and does their own thing and then whatever and, you know, Twitter, people get on Twitter and social media and say a bunch of ugly stuff. But do you ever realize how much family we are when we're at the game, watching the game, good, bad, or ugly, high-fiving and hugging? I can tell you how many people I high-fived and hugged and jumped up and down with that I'll never know. I might It might have been you <laughs> for all I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's another beautiful thing about being a Raider fan is this one big family during the games. And so that's that's just what it's all about. So I appreciate that call. Homie Raider in the 831, he's calling for a few reasons, talking the game we all could go to, the schedule, and also the draft. Here's Homie Raider in the 831. Thank you. All right, it's your boy, uh, Homie Raider 831. Uh, I just wanted to wish you good luck on your trip to the draft. I'm sure you'll kill it. Um, and I wanted to thank uh, Los Coast and, and Matt for the tattoo ideas. I'll definitely keep those in mind. Uh, definitely getting it soon, you know, hopefully. So whenever I do, I'll post that on your Twitter queue. Everyone can see it. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was the game. Yeah, I'm down for the Detroit game. That would be cool. I got family in Detroit, so that would be kind of cool to see that. And uh, I also went to the Sharks game versus the Red Wings, so might as well just keep it Detroit this year, I guess. And uh, Or I'm down for Jack, whatever. Whatever's clever, let's figure it out. Um, I also want to talk about the schedule. I'm glad everyone understands the whole us playing the Chiefs you know, difference of strength and schedule, it makes sense. The numbers do make sense. But the scheduling itself, that's just that's just crap. Um, but let's be real, Raider Nation. When has the NFL not bent us over a table and raw dogged us? Like, for real. It, it, it's like that almost every year. And and let's be real again. We have, Whenever we have a game that we're supposed to win, we play like crap. But then when we're playing these, these intensely good teams, we, we end up playing them pretty tough and sometimes winning. We're, point is, we're better underdogs. And that's what our schedule is giving us. We're the underdogs now, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And uh, we talk about this being the most important draft of the year. I agree with that. It is, or, or uh, the, you know, Raider, Raider culture. You know, it's the, it's the most important draft for the Raiders ever. And the only way that could really be true is if this draft could make us contenders next year. And I think that's not crazy. I'm not expecting it, but it's not crazy. It could happen. So if it did happen and we killed the draft, killed free agency again after the draft, because there's going to be more players, we do that and we become contenders, I don't want to hear other fans talking about, oh, we had an easy schedule. Nah, nah, I want to have the toughest schedule and, and smack them in, in the face with that. Yeah, that's how I feel about the schedule. Um, Yeah, that's all I got for now. Um, I'm going to call back soon and talk about a player I met, but I'm not going to drag this call on too long. Maybe next week I'll call in and let you guys know. All right, Raider Nation, have a good week, and uh, let's kill this draft, baby. Good stuff, my man. It's always good to hear from you. I appreciate you, and hurry up and get that tattoo so we can see, man. I, I'm ready to see what you get. And, yeah, uh, someone called me out on on, uh, on Twitter the other day, like, Q, don't you got some ink that you're supposed to be getting? Yes, yes, yes. 
I do. <laughs> I know I've been lagging, but I got something I got to get, and I will be getting it soon. I just have to decide exactly what it is. Next up, Joe and, the K- Joe and KC. He's calling in to ask Raider Nation a question about the draft. Here's my man Joe and KC. Hey, what up, Q? It's Joe and KC, of course. And so with all of this uh, news, you know, coming down this week, I'm sure a lot of it is uh, just a lot of, you know, hype or whatever, but I want to pose a question to the rest of Raider Nation. Uh, let's suppose that Kyler uh, gets passed on at number one and he drops down to four. Would you guys, how would you guys feel if we took, uh, took Kyler at four and we traded uh, Derek and we got a two and a three for him? So that can give us an additional uh, second-round pick and uh, the third-round pick that we gave up for Antonio Brown and then, um, you know, we still have the two firsts in the back half of the first round. Um, how would you guys feel about that? I will say I'm on board with uh, keeping Derek. But, you know, for whatever reason, it just pans out. I, I would like for it to go like this. If we're going to take a quarterback, I would prefer for it to go in this way. I just want to know how you guys feel about it. All right, ready to go out. All right, so the question, if Kyler drops the four, the Raiders get him and trade Derek Carr for a second and a third? That's what he wants to know what your feelings would be like. If Kyler drops to four, the Raiders draft him and then turn around and trade Derek Carr for a second and a third, would you be on board with that? I'm not going to lie. I am a little intrigued by Kyler Murray. You know, I think he could be very, very dynamic. Uh, I'm also scared of what he might be as well, which is a bust. You know what I mean? But, man, with all the winning that he's done over his life, I would just love that for a Raider quarterback to be that dude. And I'm not, this is not a knock on Derek Carr. I'm just saying a guy that's just been a known winner, just like Russell Wilson is a winner, an absolute winner. You just want a guy that you know is going to go in there and find a way to get it done one way or the other. And again, this is nothing against Derek Carr. I'm not trying to bring up that conversation again, but I'm just saying there's a part of me that says if they pull the trigger on Kyler Murray, I'd be okay with it. But then at the same time, I'm scared to death that he's going to end up being a bust and not being what everyone thinks he's going to be. And then that's really going to set the team back for many, many years. That's why I'd pass on him because I'd be, I'd be too scared. You know, they say scared money don't make money. I'm scared money. <laughs> Simple as that. But um, no, I, I just don't think that they're going to go and get him anyway. I, I really don't think that that would be the move. And I think the Raiders would want more than a second and a third for Derek Carr too. You know what I mean? I think if Murray drops the number four, the Raiders are praying to God someone calls to trade. Actually, I just hope that Arizona just goes ahead and handles their business and picks them at number one, and then we don't have to have this discussion. So, Raider Nation, you could answer Joe probably a little bit better than I could. 707-654-4693. Next up is Raider Jim in the Pacific Northwest. He's calling to talk draft and the different scenarios that could shake out on Thursday's draft. He also talks about the schedule and another thought that has not been mentioned yet. Also, he drops in his favorite Raiders. Here's Raider Jim in the Pacific Northwest. Well, greetings, boy Q, and... Hope you had a happy Easter to you and all the uh, Raider Nation. This is Raider Jim from the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, Hugh, I really enjoyed hearing your story last week about, um, you know, about what you've done and how you've done it and what you've achieved. And uh, and I think I can speak for all of the compatriots known as the Raider Nation that your story really inspires us all, and I'm just so glad that you're a part of our family. Uh, also glad to know that you're going to be in Nashville uh, for the draft, Q. That's pretty awesome. Repping the Raider Nation, as usual, and that's great. Um, so regarding the draft, and assuming we still have three first-round picks, then I think it would be best to get two out of those three for defense. And I'm also perfectly happy with trading down because, you know, we do need players. I think I agree with you on that. Um, and moreover, it would accentuate Mayock's um, expertise and knowledge with grinders in the third 
fourth and fifth rounds. And then uh, if we do keep that fourth pick, then I think indeed we do need to go out and get Quinn and Williams. I mean, he would be just so great for the team. Um, that scenario, by the way, I think is akin to when Charles Woodson was going to be picked. And for many years ago, um, that uh, kind of came about where he fell into our laps too. And that was a great thing. And I was just hoping and praying that that would happen. So it's very similar to me in that respect because I think we picked Charles Woodson uh, as the fourth overall pick that year. And look what happened there. It was just fantastic. Um, uh, the thing about Williams that is also intriguing is that, you know, when he came in with the, the Crimson Tide, he was a defensive end playing on the edge. So I think he's a twofer. See, not only can he provide interior push and pressure, but also exterior uh, uh, pressure on a quarterback and on an offensive line. So um, I think that would be great. And then if not Williams, then I'd be perfectly happy with Ed Oliver. He seems like a monster, too. And then lastly, assuming that uh, the status of our picks remain the same, then I think, again, we need to go out and get at least two out of those three first-rounders for defense. Regarding the schedule, I mean, what else is new? It's not a surprise. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but um, I do think that the, the NFL screwed up. And, um, but think about this, Raider Nation. You know, Goodell came out and said uh, that we need to have a schedule in place by late January at the very latest, early February. That did not happen. They didn't get their schedule put together that they were going to have a lease until, I think, the first part of March. So is it any surprise that we got screwed on the schedule? No, I don't think so. Um, of course we got screwed. So we have to bin and bear it, Raider Nation. I, and I, I don't think it's supposed to be easy to be a Raider fan, by the way. That's why we're Raiders fans. And then my favorite Raiders on defense um, would have to be Jack Tatum, John Matuzak, Howie Long, and last but of course not least, Lester Hayes, but um, Raiders all day, every day. I'm out. Thank you for that call, man. I like that note about the schedule. I hadn't even thought of what you said. You bring up a really good point. I like that. I really, really like that. Next up, J.C. Raider, Ogden, Utah. He's calling to talk about the game he'd like everyone to go to. He also talks about the schedule and how it could be a good thing for the Raiders. Here's J.C. Raider in Ogden, Utah. Hugh, this is J.C. Raider out of Ogden, Utah. And I uh, just want to make a quick call. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the game we're beating up at. And the one I really want to go to is that season opener against Denver and Oakland. I mean, just picture it. Opening day, Monday night football, under the lights, the Raiders, the Broncos. I mean, bam, I just got goosebumps thinking about that one. I think that'd be great. So awesome. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the schedule. Everyone's talking about the schedule, and, and it sucks, and everybody knows it sucks. Um, you know, like I said, it is what it is. But, you know, I keep on thinking back to the Magic season, 2016, where the Raiders were road warriors. I mean, they won almost every road game, and I realize we don't really have the same team and and different coach and everything's different. But I don't know. It kind of gives me some hope that uh, – Maybe that stretch could be good for the Raiders, and we could pick up some wins and shock everyone. And that's what I'm always going for, the Raiders shock everyone, that that uh, we have a great year. And I'm really, really, really excited about the draft. Man, I'm pumped about it. Um, hope things work out for my job, but I'm not on the road when it's happening. I work for the railroads. So I'm on call 24-7. But uh, anyway, just pumped about draft, pumped about everything. Love all the calls. Love Raider Nation. J.C. Raider out. 
All right, that'll work. Good stuff. Let's keep it moving. Raider fan STL, first-time caller, a.k.a. New Booty. As a matter of fact, he's a new booty to the podcast in general. So just welcome aboard, man. Glad you can uh, finally make it here. And however you got here, whatever sent you this direction, I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing. So uh, he's going to call in, or he's calling in, talking about a few topics, the schedule, why fans should not get freaked out right now. Plus, he's talking draft and how this team needs to find a way to get a difference maker. Here's Raider fan STL. Hey, Q. Uh, First time caller. Uh, You can call me... Raider fan, STL, uh, haven't been listening to the show too long, but I think it's pretty cool. really like it. I work nights, so I listen to it when I'm working at night. Makes for an easy night. I was mainly calling to talk about the schedule and how everyone's freaking out because, oh, we play five straight games on the road. But I really don't look too much into the schedule now because you never know who's going to be hurt because people are always hurt. And with the additions we made on the offense and what we're probably going to do on defense, I really think it won't be that bad, especially how teams that make the playoffs one year kind of fall apart the next year. I mean, you look at us in 2016, first 2017, and then obviously 2018. But, I mean, like the Vikings, I could see them falling a little bit. They, They had that fall from 2017 to 2018. And I think we could probably steal that game. Uh, the Bears one's going to be tough. Like you said, we never really win when we're in London. We kind of stuck over in London. But I think we probably lose that one. The Packers game, I kind of hope we win because my wife's a big Packers fan and I'm a big Raiders fan. So anytime they play, it's always, there's always a bet going on that one. But I don't know. We might be able to steal that one depending on how Aaron Rodgers and his new coach play out. But I think realistically, if we start off right, I think we can beat the Chiefs at home. The Patrick Mahomes will probably fall a little. If we're better, then that's one less win than they could get. And we almost beat them last year at home. So if we could steal both those games, get a little 2-0 and streak, I think we could do pretty well. Um, I think we could go 9-7, and probably maybe squeak in a wild card game by the end of the year. Uh, I think... Antonio Brown is going to be huge for us as far as that goes. I think you'll really see his true colors as far as, like, he really is a Raider and he's going to help that team. I think him and Derek Carr are going to be awesome together. And honestly, I'm just really, really excited. Kind of scared about the draft with all the mock drafts and people talking about, will John Gruden draft a quarterback or will he go get Kyler Murray? And I really don't think that would be smart to give up everything that we had gotten for Khalil Mack and Mari Cooper. I think it kind of negates the trades if they don't go out and get a difference maker. They already swapped Amari Cooper with Antonio Brown, which to me is an upgrade. I don't think you're going to get a complete swap for Khalil Mack. He was my favorite writer. And he's a once in a lifetime player. But if we could get some solid guy for, uh, at least two solid players for Khalil Mack out of, out of that trade, I think we'd be okay. Kyler Murray really scares me because, I mean, to me, I know there's a lot of hype around him, but he just reminds me too much of RG3. And I feel like he'll have one great year and then people will figure him out. And he's a little small, so he's very injury prone. But 
I think it's going to be a good year. I think nine and seven, ten and six is realistic, depending on the start. I think Derek Carr will get back to his MVP caliber days. I think that the defense is going to get a lot better after the draft. I'm really excited to see what Mike Mayock does. As long as he gets more say in it and not, it's not just the John Gruden show because John Gruden is great. I love him. I love that pick up, even though everyone's talking trash on him, but I think it's going to be a good, good pick. I think that should have been like the biggest move, like the biggest acquisition of the offseason was getting Mike Mayhawk in there. Just going back and looking at all of his draft boards that he's done, he's pretty much gotten the top five, top six players from each draft each year right. And that makes me really happy to see him not only have to focus on all 32 teams, but just focus on one. Like I said, new to the podcast, love what you guys are doing, love hearing that there's so many Raiders fans all over the country and all over the world. Uh, I'll keep listening if you keep making them, man. Have a good one. All right, man, I appreciate that, and thank you so much for being a first-time caller. Hopefully you're not a last-time caller, and hopefully you continue to listen to the Locked On Raiders podcast and tell others to listen to it because this family that we have here is just growing and growing and growing, and nothing wrong with a big family, right? So definitely appreciate that. Spread the word, and like I said, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. Next call comes from my man Keep Tahoe, Silver and Black. He's calling in to talk about other podcasts that I do, also talking about wanting to help my career path. Really cool call here from Keep Tahoe. Silver and Black. Hey, what up, you? Keep Tahoe Silver and Black. I'm just calling right now because I got a notification on my phone that um, another Black Hole Banner podcast came online. And also on Friday, your other podcast, for those of you that don't know, Q has a third podcast that he does on Silver and Black Pride. Um, well, uh, I haven't listened to the Black Hole Banner one, but the one that you did on Friday was amazing, and I recommend everyone to listen to it. But I just wanted to give you props, man. And I also wanted to tell you, I know that you want a job in Vegas, and covering the Raiders, of course, and I just want to put this out there, and I'm sure most people listening would agree with me, that we have your back, man. If you need us, I know you don't need us, but because your work speaks for itself, but everybody needs that extra edge, and I feel like we can be your extra edge. So just tell me who to act on Twitter to help get you this job because you deserve it, man. And I want to do, and I'm sure everyone else wants to do everything that we possibly can to help you get in a position to get a job in Vegas. So you can be by Mama Q and cover the team you love. All right, that's all I had. Peace out. And, uh, yeah, seriously, tell me who to at, man. Hey, man, that's really, really awesome. I appreciate the love and support. And the biggest thing that you could do is exactly what you're doing. You're listening to the shows. You're retweeting the shows. You're telling people about them. You know what I mean? Just continuing, like I was saying to uh, Raider fan STL, you're continuing to help this family grow. The more this family grows, the more that we grow together. I'm growing with you, and and we're all going to grow together. Like I said, whatever my next step is will be a great step, but I'm not going to make that step alone. Whatever next step I take, you're taking that next step with me. So we're all riding together. You know, when we ride, we ride, and we ride together. Ain't nobody getting left behind, so uh, just let that be known. But the next step will be the best step, or at least you want it to be the best step. So, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, Raider Nation. 
you know, and uh, we'll all get where we need to get, and we'll all get there together. Please believe that. Now, the final call for today, Big Vato 626 in West Covina. Short call right here. He called in on Easter to actually wish me and Raider Nation a happy Easter. Cool little call from Big Vato 626, West Covina. Great way to end the show today. Yo, Q, this is Big Vato from 626, West Covina. What's up, brother? Just calling and wish you a happy Easter, man. Raider, Raider, Raider! Thanks so much, my man. Appreciate that. Appreciate everyone who called in and appreciate everyone who continues to call in. 707-654-4693. Coming up on Wednesday's show, Daniel Jeremiah had a teleconference all about the NFL draft. I broke it down, and I'm going to play it back for you. Or I'm going to give you the breakdown stuff that I think is really, really important from the guy who's basically taking over Mike Mayock's position now that Mike is the GM of the Raiders. So, yeah, you'll hear from da- Daniel Jeremiah on Wednesday's show. Maybe a few more calls, but either way, it's going to be a lot, and it's going to be a lot of draft talk. And, and then, hey, boots are in the ground. Boots will be in the ground in Nashville Wednesday morning. So uh, your boy is going to get to work and bring everything I can to the Locked On Raider podcast. So until then, until Wednesday's show, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.